0: Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear?
1: The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on?
0: Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the
1: game. I just have to say, I'm really glad that we're recording our show in the afternoon today as opposed to the dead of I guess it is for me in Calgary. Only because uh as we are recording right now and i'm sure it'll you know still sort of be the case when you get this podcast johnny gaudreau spoke spoken to the media as he returns to calgary for the first time since leaving in free agency josh norris who uh had soldier shoulder surgery earlier this year done for the season for the ottawa senators oh and uh, the vancouver Canucks are the vancouver Canucks. just everything is just happening uh in three canadian markets uh here in uh, the nhl world cj
0: yeah, and Cole Caulfield also unfortunately done for the season. News that came out over the weekend. So I mean, it's it's been a pretty busy couple days around the league. You know, in Josh Norris' case, I actually didn't have surgery. That's part of
1: what Sorry. the issue
0: is here. He tried to rehab the the shoulder, and unfortunately, that didn't go well. And and yeah, it's 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 getting to that time, right? I mean, I know we haven't seen the flurry of trades, and and we'll keep sort of kicking the can on those things, but it it is sort of a a key five six week window here in the league where, where there's a lot of things going on. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty wild weekend too that we're just emerging from.
1: Yeah. Sorry. My bad. You're right. Josh Norris did not have surgery. Brain fart on my part. How was your weekend? You were in Montreal. You got to take in uh Leafs Canadians. Yeah, it was awesome.
0: It was awesome. I love going to the bell center. um Might be a broken record for those who've listened to a lot of our shows, but I'm telling you, if you have the money and interest in going to any NHL arena, I would highly recommend a trip to montreal especially if you can maybe make a weekend out of it as i did uh, it was not a professional trip i did see our buddy arpan basu uh, after saturday's game caught up with him a little bit a few other friends in town but um yeah it was it was it was a nice time and and that arena just pops i mean even in a season where you know you, you'd gotten the news on saturday earlier in the day that Cole Caulfield was was done for the year quite surprising shocking announcement from the canadians there Obviously, it's a retool, reboot, rebuild year for Montreal and still the building's full and rocking and some of the the younger players or less heralded players on the Canadians managed to to come back and pull out a overtime victory for them. so yeah, it was it was a good time. I love everything about it. I actually sat down really low in the lower bowl, which I haven't really done very many times ever in my life, and it's such a great reminder too man what a what a fast game it It looks so different from up high in the press box where where you know I'm more accustomed to watching games from.
1: Yeah. Not to mention, like, I mean, you all know where I'm from. So I second uh, the idea of watching games at the bell center. I very much missed that. Not that no shade to the Scotiabank Saddledome. Great place to watch hockey, but uh, not, not the same as the bell center. Not the same as Bell. Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> no. Well, I, I don't know if that's like, for me, it's the best arena in the league. I know that that's highly subjective. There's lots of other arenas that are cool, have history, are, have great crowds. Like there's, there's a ton of them actually, but for me, it just it's there's something special about that, and that's that's the reason I went. Frankly, It's January the the year somewhat is dragging a bit. Needed to wanted to do something to spice up my life a little, so went went down spice there. Spice
1: up your life? Not not like a, but
0: yeah. Jeez, okay. we're all feeling it, man. <laughs> I know you're living out in sunny Calgary, but literally it's been like 30 days of gray here in the Toronto yeah. area. Um, so just just needed to I don't know. You needed needed something fun to, to have on the calendar, and it, it lived up to it. Took the train down, saw tons of other people doing the same thing. Obviously coming from Leaps Country, uh, a lot a lot of blue on the train ride down, and then blue faces on the train ride back Sunday.
1: Uh, blue faces. Okay. Um, not, not happy with the result is what I meant. No, 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 for sure. I get that. Um, can we get it? Can we get an update on your hand? Is that okay?
0: Of course, it's okay. Stitches are out, so that's uh that's an improvement from Monday, but I still, they, they told me I got two to three months of rehab ahead. So it still feels kind of uncomfortable. I would have trouble lifting a 10 pound weight with my right hand, uh, like putting that kind of pressure on the palm, basically um, still pouring coffee with the left hand in the morning. So, um, you know, it's adjusting to it, but I've got exercises. It's looking less like a Franken hand with no stitches in there. And um, yeah, the the specialist seems to think I'm, in a good spot, but man, it's, it's more severe. I got to be honest that even the day I was going in for the surgery, it's more, it was a bigger surgery. I think that I realized heading in, which is probably a good thing. It's not, not always good to know exactly what you're getting into. So um, it's easier to, to face the long recovery now because I can already see improvement in it. And, and, you know, I am actually feeling very fortunate that we addressed the issue when we did, because, you know, even talking to the specialist today, if, if it had, it went much longer, it could have been a much more serious surgery had it's spread to my fingers. So um yeah, get on the road to recovery. Filed a big piece last week for North star bets, did my Monday inside the NHL newsletter. And I have a new piece dropping this week on, you know, separating all 32 teams into sort of buyers, sellers, or wait and see mm. uh type of team. So look for that to drop Wednesday and uh, you know, be a couple thousand words. So I'm, I am able to type and do my job and that's, you know, that's important to me because I, I love what I do.
1: I am proud of you, sir. The fact that you had, Whatever you had going on with your hand, but you still found ways to provide us with that sweet, sweet content.
0: Sir. <laughs> Sir. Well, I- the hockey season rests for no one. You're finding that out yourself, so.
1: Yes, clearly, yes. There's And as we were alluding to before, like there's a lot going on in the hockey world and especially in our markets. I mean, Toronto, there's always something. And in Calgary, there's all, I mean, not to say there's always something, but it feels as if there has always been something uh, for the last few months. Not to the level of Vancouver, mind you, but uh, yeah, something always does keep coming up in that market. But uh, yes, it does not rest for anybody. I guess um, we're going to dig in yeah. on
0: the Canucks at some point here.
1: Yeah. We're going to have to dig it on them Vancouver Canucks. I want to mention one thing, though, before we do that. And I know we got to get to sports interaction, um, but I do want to get to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I do want to ask another question with the Senators. There's a lot we got to get to the Canadian markets, but we have a giveaway to do. Like, I'm excited about the fact that we get to give away something. Like, I, I don't I don't think we've ever done any type of contest on this show. Big Money Siege. I'm excited for this giveaway. Are you excited for this giveaway? Absolutely. I've been to this establishment a few times. Okay, we have four. Count them four. Uh, gift cards, uh, four one hundred dollar gift cards to Beer Town. uh, really nice establishment uh, in uh, Toronto. Uh, they are the leader in craft beer dining revolution. Uh, they were established in twenty twelve in Cambridge, Ontario. I should say, uh, and we I've are the one in away- Barry
0: too. I've been to the one in yes. Barrie.
1: Okay, yeah, very uh, Ontario centric. Uh, establishment, but yeah, we have four of them things, four one hundred dollar gift cards uh, from Beer Town to give away. All you have to do is follow my Twitter, JKA McKenzie. Follow Chris's Twitter at Reporter Chris. Follow the SDPN Sports account, literally SDPN Sports. Follow us on Twitter and tweet at us CJ's dad's nickname. We've said it on this show a bunch of times. You just have to tweet at us cj's dad's nickname you have to follow all of our accounts tweet at us the nickname and we will randomly draw from the correct answers you also have to be living in the toronto area to uh, actually win this prize too and uh, your dms have to be open in order for us to reach out we're going to be giving away uh four gift cards so for the next four shows including today uh we will have some kind of different trivia question to give away these cards uh but for today tweet at us CJ's dad's nickname.
0: It's gonna go to his head. It's gonna go (laughs) to his head. I don't think he's ever missed a show, my dad, but uh he's got lots of shout-outs, but having him be the subject of a trivia question is next level.
1: As long as he doesn't like tweet the answer, I don't know if he's (laughs) eligible to take the prize.
0: (laughs) No, I'll just I'll just go and treat him to a hundred bucks at beertown on my own dime at some point.
1: oh look at that the gift card that keeps on giving one Chris Johnston. uh so yeah, uh, be sure to tweet at us keep your DMs open. CJ's dad's nickname uh for your chance at winning a one hundred dollars gift card from Beertown. thanks to our friends at Beertown for uh this uh cool uh cool giveaway contest. I'm I'm down for that. okay, um let's get to sports interaction. And then we will make sense of all of the wonderful news around Canadian markets. And, of course, it's Monday, so we'll have Ask CJ. You Can Bet That with David Bastl. Brought to you by Sports Interaction. Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Uh, no David Bastl for us today, just myself and CJ. Uh, no NFL props or mentions here. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, as you know, no longer part of the NFL playoffs. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, but hey, they want a playoff game against the GOAT.
0: If you remember, I was not talking them up. I'm conditioned <laughs> I expected the result. I'm conditioned to assume the worst when it comes to the Cowboys. So fair season, but the better team won against San Fran. I don't think there's any question about that.
1: Yeah. If you've uh, been sensing the hint of disappointment throughout the first few minutes of this show, that's exactly why that's the case. Anyway, um, Canadian award sweep, pretty great uh, uh, prop up on the Sports Interaction website for this season. Uh, if you think the winners of the Hart Trophy, the Norris Trophy, and the Rocket Richard Trophy are all going to be Canadian players, uh, that is a yes at plus 297 uh, for sports interaction.
0: Interesting. Yeah. You're right. Well, I mean, the Rocket Richard, there's still quite a ways to go, 40% of the season plus, but, you know, Connor McDavid's looking pretty good. Last time I checked, he holds a Canadian passport. McDavid's having a monster season. So I could see a Hart Trophy. Certainly, he's going to get a ton of attention for that. We'll see if he wins it or not. Uh, always, the, the fact that Leon drives title second league in scoring, it always sort of muddies the water on, on thinking about the player judged to be most valuable to his team. And the Norris is wide open. You know, I, I'm not sure who's going to win the Norris Trophy this year. Um, you know, Eric Carlson having this renaissance season, he's Swedish. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin having a pretty great season in Buffalo, also Swedish. So Swedish. You know, Kale McCarr, Canadian. So it's you're you're right. That's an intriguing kind of bet. I, I the Norris is the one I feel least comfortable about at this point in time, but I but at the same time I can't tell you I don't even know who the front runner is. Would it be Carlson?
1: Carlson could be it. Rasmus Dahlin could be it. In fact, there are three names that also come to mind that have some kind of tie to Calgary because Kale McCarr, he's going to be up for uh, a Norse pretty much for the next how many years? Uh, Josh Morrissey up in Winnipeg, also a native of Calgary. And Adam Fox, who once upon a time was drafted by the Calgary Flames, and uh, we all know how that ended up.
0: But he's American. So you, you kind of, if you're making this bet, you, you have to be banking on a Josh Morrissey- or Kale McCarr victory, more or less. Unless you know, exactly. there might be some, there might be someone else we're missing, but I think that that's probably from the high level contenders. Those are the two Canadians carrying the flag there. Yeah, I, I could also, see it. Yeah. I could see it. I mean, Winnipeg has been a great story in the league this year, and Morrissey's helped drive a lot of that. So I like that. They're always thinking. Yeah. They're they're finding creative ways over at Sports Interactive to get my brain in a pretzel.
1: Also, I should mention, I only mentioned Adam Fox, even though he is American, just because of the Calgary tie. And I'm sorry to Flames fans who are not happy about that. Sorry, didn't mean to do that. Anyway, uh, don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com SDPN for all the best odds before game, in-game, best props. Sportsinteraction.com SDPN. So, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, a lot going on in the hockey world. Uh, Vancouver, obviously, with what's going on over there with uh, Bruce Boudreau on the way out, uh, and we're talking on the way in. Or if you happen to watch a uh, a regional Fox News broadcast, uh, I don't know if you saw it floating around the internet, but uh, I forget from which area in the States. But uh, some sports director was reading uh, the story about Bruce Boudreau being fired, and I believe they pronounced his name Bruce Boudreau. And Canucks as canukes, and uh, Rick Tocket as Rick
0: Tukit. Yes. I don't want to make. I don't want to throw any grenades, man. I probably. I'm. I'm wow. <laughs> well, I'm conscious though that I mispronounced a few names here at times. So, in all
1: fairness, I I mispronounced uh, the Seattle Kraken mascot. So I'm not one to laugh myself.
0: No, i like lots of you know some of the European names less. So I guess my point is, yeah, that's unfortunate. But I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be firing any arrows at anyone because I'm not perfect either.
1: Okay, all right, cool. But uh, that being said, when we talk about the Vancouver Canucks, there are definitely arrows to fire. I will definitely be firing one. Um, but uh, Calgary as well, um, with Johnny Gaudreau uh, back in uh, the city for the first time since leaving as a free agent, I would love to touch off on that. Uh, and also, just you know, just the general going on on's there. Uh, we mentioned Cole Caulfield and the fact that uh, he's done, and and Josh Norris as well. Of all four stories, actually, you know what? Since I know we're going to talk about Vancouver between Montreal, Ottawa, and Calgary, which of those three cities has the most interesting story? Because we know Vancouver is the most interesting is the most interesting of the four, but I'm just curious between those three. Oh man, thinking about it.
0: Well, because it's not an easy answer, right? I mean, in Montreal and Ottawa, we're talking about two young players, unfortunately, done for the season. And, you know, I think that we can talk about what that may or may not mean for, you know, how they approach the trade deadline um, so that there's interest there. I mean, Calgary, it's more, I mean, this isn't a surprise date. We've, you, ever since the schedule came out, this was going to be a day that there'd be a lot more focus on Goodrow and everything that happened there this summer. Yeah, you know, I, I, I will probably say Montreal uh, just because Caulfield was having such a, a great season. And and I think that there's maybe some misconceptions about how all that went down. And so that might be the most interesting, but I don't feel that passionate about it. I mean, it's pretty clearly Vancouver. That's the, I mean, that's the talk of the entire hockey world. That's that, that uh, has been an ongoing situation. And, you know, just because we're on the other side of the coaching change, I don't think things are going to quiet down there either.
1: Absolutely not.
0: Let's just jump
1: into Vancouver for the hell of it. Why not? Um, what did you think first off of Bruce Boudreaux's exit, essentially just the last few days, just trying to answer questions as best as he could, the fans saluting him in his last few games, the Bruce there at his chance, the emotion he's shown uh, on his way out as well. What did you think of all of that?
0: Well, it was not fair to Bruce. I mean, I I think that it's hard to... I recognize that, that sometimes in pro sports, things get a little messy. Like, it's not always easy to manage every situation a certain way. But I think the fact that it became so clear last week, especially that, that he was done there and that, you know, the Rick talk it to Canucks speculation, which really goes back months, but, you know, it was more speculative say in November, um, you know, by the second, third week of January, it was clear. It was just, you know, a matter of time. And I think it was a really tough spot to, to roll out, you know, such a well-liked person in hockey, someone who, you know, well, I, I don't think that I actually have, you know, it's the team's prerogative. They want to change coaches. I, I I have no problem with that decision on its own. It's just the way, the way it was all handled, the, the fact that Bruce is there kind of facing his hockey, you know, coaching mortality head on for all those days, right? Like you could see it in the way he was answering the questions a couple of times, got emotional uh, with the reporters, got emotional on the bench. Um, you know, what's interesting is that in some ways, it's, it's, was just not handled properly. And I think to some degree, Jim Rutherford took some ownership for that. Um, you know, they did apologize in, in, in the press availability held on Sunday. It wasn't, wasn't as though they, they, you know, he said nobody's too proud of this or something to that effect. Like, I think that there's an understanding this was botched, but weirdly for Bruce Boudreaux, like maybe as time goes along and, and, you know, once some of the sting passes, like you might look back on that as actually kind of a strange highlight that he, he he got that much love, both both from the fans and from his own players, right? I mean, after Saturday's game, apparently the you know, the players went in one by one to his office and shook his hand, shared a moment with him. I mean, sometimes a coach gets fired and never sees the team again. You know what I mean? Like that's that's actually most commonly what happens. Like I remember you know, I was on the road with the Maple Leafs years ago when they fired Mike Babcock. He he actually led a practice in Arizona that day, went back to the team hotel, got called into the you know, a meeting with Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas and was fired and, and was gone. And, and Sheldon Keith coached the next night. And, and for a game against the Coyotes, like, you know, um, it's not to say maybe didn't have some conversations or text with the players or see them down the line, but he didn't get a chance to have that, that kind of final send off. So in some ways, well, I'm not at all trying to put a positive spin on what happened there. There might be a small positive that comes out of it. I think that he got showered with that much love. Um, but let's face it, Bruce Boudreaux, even though he's 68 years old, is very clearly still wants the coach. And, you know, he might have he might have seen the end come in kind of in not very dignified way, uh, with with the whole world sort of knowing he was a dead man walking, but having to go out, especially for those last two games.
1: And that's what makes this whole situation so sad, and what makes the Canucks so the Canucks such a disappointment in terms of how they handled that entire situation. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke what they did to Bruce Boudreaux. I'm not saying Bruce Boudreaux is the greatest coach to ever exist. But to get to a point where we're just like trying to figure out, like, okay, who's coaching, uh, who's going to succeed him? And he's right there, like, I don't know, man. like that that I, that was just really embarrassing. It's strangely, just just really, really embarrassing the way they handled it and Jim Rutherford's response being all like, okay, I'm sorry. I you know mention these details out to everybody so my response is i'm just going to take a step back from speaking out like that or at least just speaking a little bit more like i don't like that either like it's i don't know i just think like there's got to be a way for i don't for, mind for the that front so i mean weird.
0: i think ultimately uh-huh. the because the president often doesn't speak much right like i look at Brendan shanahan in toronto maybe speaks once a year to the reporters like in a public setting you know, John Davidson, you know, at times has spoken in Columbus, but you know, I think you've got to let your people do the job. And, and so I don't really mind if he takes a step back, honestly, like that part doesn't bother me. It doesn't change what's happened here though. I mean, it might be the sensible thing though, to let his general manager do the talking and his head coach do most of the talking about the team. Um, I think, yeah, look, it was not a, this was not a, there's it's hard for me to reconcile it, frankly, because you know, I, I can't say I'm friendly with Jim Rutherford, but certainly I've dealt with him a lot over the years. I've known him, and and honestly, I've always found him to be such a classy guy. And so, I I still feel like part of the story is a little unexplained, like how this all got unraveled so quickly, because um, it doesn't square with with what I know and what I've seen over a long period of time. Um, but man, like it, it's you're right. It's it's just a it's a terrible way to do business. Even if you thought Bruce Boutreau did a terrible job, like I don't actually don't think it matters whether he is the best coach or even whether you thought he did a good job, sir. everyone's worthy of a certain level of fairness and treatment. And I, I just think once they made the decision that they were going to move on to a new coach, once they knew who that coach was, you know, there, there was a better way when you were at, once you reached that moment to to try to do this as quickly as possible. I think once you've decided you're firing someone, you should basically fire them Um, because you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, like we, we don't see it on where we sit, but coaches and management are talking basically on a daily basis about the team and this and that. And so I just feel like if you know, in your heart of hearts, it's over, it's, it's just hard to keep up the facade and and everyone saw the cracks in this. Um, it's not something that reflects well on the Canucks and the way they do business. And honestly, it's not the first time either. I mean, you, know, you could go back to the fact that Bruce Boudreaux was hired a week before Jim Rutherford, by the owner, uh, Francesco Aquilini, like, like that, that's sort of an ass backwards way of doing things. Like, I think it somehow created this situation in some ways. And, you know, hopefully this is a big wake up call that that something like this doesn't happen again, because, um, you know, really is no, no way to treat someone and especially someone who's been in the game and is so well-liked as Bruce Boudreau.
1: And how do you feel about Rick Tockett now coming in his place, uh, to succeed him as head coach uh, I think signed through to twenty twenty five, if I'm not mistaken, making two point seven five mil annually. That's from Pierre LeBrun. Uh, yeah, what did you think of of how Rick? I mean, I just find I just want to say this first: the fact that Rick, I'm still just a bit confused with Rick Tocket being the guy. I understand that he has good relations with players, but like considering that Vancouver's just kind of in this weird, bushy middle where they're not good enough to really compete but they're also not really good enough to like properly tank for Connor Bedard. I, I maybe just is just my view and me and if you have that like viewpoint like please fill in that blank. I don't understand why Rick Tockett would be the guy right now as opposed to them just letting an interim guy take over, finish the year and maybe they just bought him out and they get themselves a better chance at at getting Connor Bedard as opposed to hiring a new guy where you might get a new coach bump from performance and players and you're just kind of stuck in the middle probably not making the playoffs and probably not getting a fighting chance to get counterbardard unless i'm seeing this wrong
0: well i think the why now answer is that they really feel that they have to change the way the team is run and they probably think that there's danger in just like letting it slide off into the abyss over the next few months that that it would almost create a bigger job moving forward i mean you know one of the reasons well a couple of the reasons they really like rick Tockett is first of all it's their own person and and frankly i do think the front office should be allowed to hire the the coach that they're they're comfortable to be with that's why i'm saying if you even go back a year it's just strange really in hindsight but i think in real time that bruce brujo was brought in separate from jim rutherford even though it happened kind of in lockstep like in, in close proximity um you know maybe this could have been avoided to some degree if if jim rutherford was hiring that the coach he had in mind all along um and and you know i think with with rick talk they're looking for more accountability, more structure and and better practice habits. Those are three of the things Patrick Alvein the general manager mentioned on Sunday's press conference and so I think that's why they they do it now. That they, they they hope to the results on the ice may not be there although if you look at the Canucks schedule sort of funny as it is, it's it's a lot softer from this point on compared to what they've just been through. And so I think that they're set up to have more success in general, uh, especially if they get some some saves too. I mean that they have you know, as often happens when a coach gets fired, they're you know right at the bottom of the league in save percentage. So that's usually those two things are tied together. It's not to blame it just on the goaltending, but um, yeah, I think that they're, they're poised to to actually probably win some games here more than they have been. It's been a really tough stretch since mid December till this point for Vancouver, and I think they're looking for right away results, yeah, uh, but not necessarily in the games played at seven p.m. each night. But you know, in terms of around the team. Um, getting some better habits out and things like that. I mean, it's also going to be a potentially pretty rocky period. I mean, uh, we can say with confidence that that pro Horvat's likely to be moved, but there's a possibility for a few other players to be traded. Whether it's a Luke Shen, who's a pretty trusted voice and veteran in that locker room, between now and March third, and so it's it's going to be going to be an interesting period here for Vancouver. I, as I say, I don't I don't take issue with Rick Hockett so much because look, that's they that's the person they want to work with. They've had success together all three. Alvin Rutherford and Tocket in, in Pittsburgh, um, you know, winning two Stanley cups. If they feel that's the right guy, that, that, that for me, isn't so much the issue. It's more how things were handled with Boudreaux and and what a strange press conference Sunday. I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, Julian, but you know, you're introducing the new coach and the first like four questions are about the old coach and, and how things went down. I mean, it was, su- it's such a strange way for Tocket to be brought in because, well, I don't think this has anything to do with him. I mean, like he, he just took a job, right. He didn't, he didn't choose how management, you know, what they did with Bruce Boudreaux, Um, But he, he kind of comes in almost in a sort of unpopular light. It feels like uh, just because of how things went down with, with Boudreau, even though, again, I don't, I don't think he should personally bear any responsibility for that. Um, Wasn't his job to, to handle the firing of his predecessor uh and make sure it was done a little bit uh, neater and cleaner, but um it's going to be – it'll it'll be fascinating. I, I But as I say, watch this, their schedule. I think the Canucks actually probably are in a position to win some of these games more than they have been because it's been a lot of losing. And they actually are kind of in the Bedard – the suck hard for Bedard uh, seat, even though it's not by design. I mean, I, I think – what are they, sixth or seventh worst in the league? I mean, they, they, they've they actually plummeted a fair bit and could probably do some things to to go even lower.
1: It's just – Is I think this all just speaks to the no-win situation that Rick Tockett is in right now. Like, in front of me, I have the standings. Uh, In terms of teams in the wild card, uh, the Canucks have 39 points. They're 10 back of St. Louis. They're 11 back of Nashville. I haven't even mentioned Calgary, Colorado, or Edmonton. So, you know, they're not
0: not making the playoffs. They're not not even. We're not talking about the playoffs. Oh, no. We're we're just talking about how did, like, how much more can I lose at this point? I think.
1: Right. But, but in terms of some of the scheduled games that might be there and off the fact that maybe some of those guys want to at least play well for, for Rick Tocket, If it, if they get themselves above where they get more of those points, they take themselves further away from a San Jose who's two points behind them or an Arizona who's four points behind them or a Chicago. That's also for a little further down in Arizona and, and I, which is like, you know, arguably the worst team in the league. And just like between that, and and off of the fact that in the live feed for the press conference there are all these negative comments being thrown in being of talking about how badly the Canucks managed this and being pro boudreau and also everyone was looking through Rick Tockett's Twitter account too looking at all the people looking at all the things he's following the things he's into like Rick Tockett could have made i mean not him making this but Rick Tockett could have not entered a more no win situation possible as a head coach, if he wins, it's like, Oh no, you're taking them away from Connor Bedard. If they lose, it's like, well, what was the point? It's, it's a bit of a weird situation. I think.
0: I can't think of a parallel, honestly. I mean, Nope. Maybe the closest, like last year, I guess it was kind of crazy in Vancouver when Travis green got fired. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a strange one. I mean, the other thing about Rick Tockett is you look at his head coaching record and there hasn't been a lot of success there. He had, you know, four seasons in Arizona and, and two in Tampa quite a while ago. But like in both those cases, he wasn't really coaching great teams. And, and he's also sort of taking over a team that isn't so great again. Like he's not really, I guess it, we have to define how we measure his success Um, over the next two plus years that he, that he got on that contract. Cause you know, let's face it. I don't see this being a team that's going to win more than it loses in his tenure. And that's, and that's what's happened in his previous stops. And I don't even think, it suggests he's a bad coach. I mean, you you can only coach the players you have. Um, I mean, look, I guess what, what brings you back? It's a unique opportunity to coach in the NHL. You know, he, he's got six plus million on that contract for two and a half years. So there, there's, there's, there's some good incentive built into wanting to do that, but I mean, it's yeah, it's any, he, any, he's also entering at this period where I think Canucks fans are as frustrated as they've ever been. Uh, and I think with good reason, frankly, it's not, I'm not, uh, I'm not taking any aim at the fans here, but you know, that's, that's yeah. a market, that's a marketplace that's turning on the organization. And so it's, it's going to be a really, I think it's going to be a rough ride. I I, I do. Um, and I, I don't, I don't see a clear way forward, quite honestly. I mean, especially if they end up signing Andre Kuzmenko, who's going to, you know, they talk about having a cap problem and look, this, this guy has been awesome as a rookie, but, they end up giving him five or six million a year, I mean, I just, it seems like it's doubling down on the cap challenges. Um, You know, they're, they're, they're really stuck They're They are stuck in the mushy middle right now. Maybe they can do some things to get towards the bottom and get some luck in the lottery and, you know, bring Connor Bedard home. That, that would, that's the best possible outcome for this season, but it's not looking too likely when you, when you size everything up.
1: Tune in next episode for the next edition of. As the Canucks turn, we still have a weird name for whatever the soap opera is. We'll figure that out at some point. Anyway, um, we did kind of touch off on Ottawa. We kind of touched off on Montreal. We kind of touched off as much as we could on Vancouver. Um, any thoughts on the fact that uh, Johnny Gaudreau makes his return? Daryl Sutter also getting into the news for how he uh, spoke about uh, uh, one of his prospects getting, getting their NHL debut. Do we want to touch off on that a little bit before we get to ask CJ? We can go wherever we want on this.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, look, it'll be a nice night. I think in some ways in Calgary, chance for the fans, I'm sure to maybe cheer for Johnny and then boom, because it might be a little bit of both when, when they play, you know, the video or honor him, you know, as well they should for the career he had as, as a member of the flames, but. You know, it didn't end in a way that a lot of flames fans, I think can be happy about with, with him choosing kind of in the last days before free agency to turn down more money from the flames in order to sign in Columbus ultimately more money in one more year than he could have got to, I should mention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that, that'll that be, you know, in a season with a lot of games that blend in, it's it's something that pops out. Um, you know, that being said, I, I don't think it should diminish what Goudreau accomplished in Calgary. Uh, was, you know, very, very skilled player. Got heart Trophy votes during his time uh, with the Flames. Was, you know, the, an offensive engine for that team. And, you know, had the contractual right to go to free agency. I mean, just, just the way it is. Um, you know, as for the Daryl Sutter thing, I mean, I think it speaks to some larger issues simmering below the surface there. You know, it does seem as though, look, we know what kind of coach Daryl Sutter was. He was the same coach in Los Angeles when they won two Stanley Cups. I mean, at one point, the Kings locked him out of their dressing room during a road game, um, you know, in a documented move because they were so frustrated with him you know, he, he's old school. He is hard on his pl- players. He's hard on his teams. He expects a lot. And I don't think that's changed, but you know, what's happening is I, I do get the sense that a number of flames players are sort of chafing under that. And, you know, I don't think he does himself any favors when he answers the question about Jacob Peltier, the way he did, where he, you know, the fact he said, what number does he wear? um, Like, that's just, Oh, it's just dismissive, frankly. And then to just read the stat line straight off was very weird for me. Um, and I, and I think that sort of thing does get noticed in the dressing room like that, that gets discussed around the league. Right. And, and, you know, I don't, again, I don't think anyone's surprised that Daryl can be a little offbeat in, in his media availabilities. And, and again, he's, you know, I think we're talking about a young player that he just wants to keep him hungry or whatever you want to say, but, Let's let's remember like the world's changing too. And I I think that the, the tough love approach, you can't, it can't all be tough love. I think that there has to be, you know, some, some softer treatment at times. And, and, you know, that, that was probably a situation where he'd like to have that one back because there's all kinds of ways you can answer that. I recognize it's his first NHL game. He didn't, didn't get a lot of ice time, didn't have a big impact in what was a big win for the flames over Tampa on Saturday afternoon, but, you know, I still think there's a way to acknowledge that that's a big moment for him and his family, that he's, that he's got a long ways to go. I, I don't think that there's any problem saying that, but, um, you know, I don't know if he's reacting to, to you and your colleagues out there, Julian, you know, banging the drum for Pelche or what it, what it, what prompted him to do that, but it, it just felt, felt wrong offside and frankly, just not very fair to a young man who, you know, just had one of the biggest days of his life.
1: What's really interesting about that, I know there's a lot to take in out of the responses for Goudreau and for Peltier, so please don't mind my brain being very scatterbrained. I'll just start with Goudreau first. Uh, Looking forward to being at the game tonight to see how people actually, you know, give him either novation or 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 the booze or whatnot i don't know if you saw this morning but uh, at practice uh, as he stepped onto the ice his blue jackets teammates booed and jeered him in preparation for the game uh and, and john yeah players that like that fun, to have fun. Like, nice. like
0: yeah it's a big game like it's and they there and everyone's anticipating it the way you are including his teammates like i like that that's that's good that's good humor
1: It's amazing. It's great. Um, But yeah, I think uh, fans also have the right to boo uh, and, you know, speak their piece. Uh, I can imagine they were not all that happy to know that uh, Johnny Gaudreau decided to play for another team instead of their own. So I can understand where that's going from. Uh, For Peltier, this could have just been a non-story if Daryl Sutter essentially said what he said today in that he only played under seven minutes. And it was very hard to evaluate him considering how the game went because there was a ton of penalties taken. So he didn't get a lot of time. If he had just said that over the weekend, he doesn't get the flack that he's getting across the league to the point where like people in Alberta and across the country, like what you're just saying now feel it's offside and people in Quebec are starting to wonder if Daryl Sutter has something against French Canadian players. Like it's something where it's just, just reading the discourse online I'm not saying it's completely out of control. And I also understand the internet is just its own vacuum and it's not representative of everybody, but like this shouldn't have been a story. Like, I don't think anyone in Calgary, myself included was expecting Daryl Sutter to throw roses at Jacques Peltier. but if Jack, but if he, all he had said was, well, you know, he played six thirty, and uh, you know, he uh, did as best he could, but uh, we didn't get to see him that much. It was hard to evaluate him. That's that's it. We've all would have just left it alone, but, it's where it's at right now
0: yeah and i i don't know unforced there really but i think it just shows look it's a coach He he's just old school man like i don't i don't think there's any other way around it like it it just this is who he is he's had a lot of success in the league being that way like he's not gonna change right um at least i don't think so i don't think it's likely uh, at this point And so you're going to get moments like this, but I think at some point you do, it's fair to wonder, is this the best way to handle some important young players for the organization? I get that Peltier, you know, might need more time. Matthew Phillips might need more time before they're ready to make an impact in the roster, but you also want to have an environment where those players do come along and thrive and take the next steps and become impactful Calgary Flames at some point down the line.
1: Matthew Coronado is waiting in the wings and a lot of people are just wondering, uh if he would want to be in that environment That's to your point like yeah you want that to be conducive for for young players to thrive in so yeah very very interesting times in uh calgary especially against
0: the backdrop of that team not playing up to their level this year i mean it's 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 a strange year out there like it, it feels like yeah it feels like there's not complete harmony in that organization and you know, that's not unusual. Like that's not the, in pro sports that happens. And the GM and the coach don't always have to be best friends in every situation The the coach and the players don't have to be best friends. I mean, it's, it's a highly competitive business. Um, tensions are normal because there's a lot of pressure on everyone for different reasons. And when you don't win enough, bad things tend to happen. And, and you know, it's just, it's not a slam dunk. to planes make the playoffs. And so I, it, it it just feels like, you know, that's a big win over Tampa. Don't get me wrong. I, I watched the game on Saturday afternoon, probably as good as I've seen the flames play this year. Julian, you're obviously watching every game. I, I don't catch them all. Same deal. I'm, uh, I'm but, with
1: you there. It's it's one of the strongest wins they've had all year.
0: Right. But I, I also noticed that, that Lindholm said last week, like they're kind of looking for their game and they haven't like yep. made a pretty strong statement, like reading between the lines. Like we just haven't played up to our potential at any point this season. So they have to find, they have to find their way there or to, who knows, man? I mean, I couldn't imagine entering the year. We might talk about Calgary missing the playoffs, but it's at least, it's at least like on the radar now as something that's possible.
1: Absolutely. This is a team that people were thinking of putting in the conversation of cup contenders. They might fall out of the playoffs. I mean, as, as we're speaking right now, they are outside of a playoff position. These next five weeks until the trade deadline, Very, very interesting story to follow. That's uh, why I've got the flames in
0: my wait and see category. Give you a little preview to Wednesday's story. I don't I don't think that they're automatic buyers. I really don't. Not to suggest they'll be sellers either, but I think that I think that these next few weeks will determine their course more than a lot of teams. I think we can already separate about 20 teams that are clear buyers or sellers, but there's you know, maybe even more than that, 24, but about eight teams for me that are in wait and see mode, and the flames are one of them.
1: Oh, I'm 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 with you there. I am absolutely with you there. I still think they'll they'll put themselves in a position where they could be a buyer, but it is not a guarantee. Man, uh, if you're a Flames fan, I hope you enjoyed that last little bit from CJ because he came through with some heat, especially for this uh, cold winter time. Think you know what way it's going to go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction. When the puck drops, Sports Interaction has you covered pregame, live betting on all major sports, and on prop bets. Want to bet? head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 and over, please play responsibly. Anyway, let's get to a few questions for Ask CJ before we get on out of here. Um, thank you to everyone who sent in questions on Twitter and Discord, by the way. Uh, from Mark Shag, let's start with him. How much better would the league be with a soft cap in your mind?
0: It would be better because you would have a far more robust free agency market you know, some of the big market teams would be able to spend more and, and, you know, likely incur say luxury tax. If that's the system you're talking about, um, you know, I, I think it would create more, pre- it would, it would ease the, the, the log jam and, and allow for more trades. And then, so all those things lead to more buzz for the league, but what I'm talking about would also come at a, a higher cost for owners in terms of what they spend on salaries. And I think that's the reason why this isn't going to happen. So you know, I've been getting a lot of that version of question. Like even when I'm doing some of my radio hits, like I, I, I think everyone identifies the problem that we're sitting here on, you know, January 23rd, we, we've seen really almost no movement of any consequence throughout the season. There's been a couple, uh, what I term to be minor trades. Um, you know, we're all waiting for some of the bigger shoes to drop. And, and because of the, the flat cap for a number of seasons now, it just hasn't happened. And so you you start to think of, well, how could we create this system? Well, there, there's, there's examples out there, but the NHL is the only truly hard cap league in North America. And I think that works well for the league and, and owners. So I don't see a change coming.
1: Next one from Matthew Clark. If patches, AKA max Patcharetti, is done for the season. And it truly looked like he is. Uh, does that mean that the Carolina hurricanes will be looking for another significant upgrade? <laughs> Timo <Team> Meyer.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I they added that be. part. Absolutely. They will be. Um, you know, this is an awful situation. You know, Max pacharetti missed most yes, of the yes. season, recovering from an Achilles injury, came in, played five games for the Hurricanes, actually scored three goals, was was showing evidence of what they wanted him to do. And they were viewing him kind of as their their deadline, quote unquote deadline ad, right? Because when they made the trade for him in the offseason, they knew it was gonna be it was gonna be a while before they they you know had an ability to to see him play in their in their uniform and you know, what eluded the Hurricanes last year when they got to the playoffs? They didn't score enough. And yep. while they've seen some nice years from some of their young star players, you know, Marty Nietzsche, Svechnikov, these guys, you know, I still think that there's a concern of a repeat there. And, you know, I think they would have made a trade even with a healthy, healthy Max Pacioretty. Now there's a little bit more pressure to try to bring in if not even someone like Timo Meyer, I mean, maybe, maybe Vladimir Tarasenko makes some sense for them. I, th- I think a pure score someone that they can slot in a certain role in the power play, you know, that's, that's makes a lot of sense. You know, the one caution I'll put on it though, is Carolina is not typically a team that, you know, would give up major assets for a deadline rental. So, you know, just because this injuries happen, doesn't mean that they're going to go out and give up, you know, a first plus a top prospect plus to, to get a big name, uh, especially on an expiring contract, but there's definitely pressure there because look, it's one of the best teams in the league and, and been a, been a top team for a long time. Um, so, you know, I, I think that I think they will be active and now there's a little bit more pressure to make sure that part of that activity isn't maybe just a second line center, but you know, a player that they can bring in and is just a goal scorer.
1: Next one from D 34 off of discord. What do you think of bringing back North America versus world all-stars as an all-star game format?
0: It eh, doesn't, doesn't like move the needle for me, honestly. Um, you know, I think what we talked about a few weeks ago, like I, I actually, if we're going to bring back any old format, I, I'd love to see the the player draft returned mm-hmm. mostly because I think the draft itself is fun and you see some personality from the guys. And then obviously it's, it's a chance to, um, you know, just, you know, switch it up every year. I, I think that there's, there's something being lost in the current format you know, a couple players having tremendous years, all-star caliber years who aren't going to be at the all-star game. Um, but, you know, North America versus the world. Yeah. I don't, I don't think like, I don't think the players are going to, I don't put on a better spectacle or showcase with that. I, I just, I don't think it changed. doesn't change much for me um, to make the event better. Truth is, is like, this is a marketing event. Like it's a, it's, it's not really about hockey, right? It's, it's an event for the league sponsors and everybody to get together, And so maybe The truth is maybe there is no great solution here Um, as much as that sounds defeatist. I'm not sure that you can really improve it all that much. I know they've tried, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think North America versus the world works. I would say though, I would be up for like a summit series type of event, not as an exhibition, but you know, a Canada U S or if you wanted to do North America and versus the world, like if you, if you, you know, with, with this absence of best on best play, I would be up for some kind of event to be contemplated like that. I think that that, that would be pretty cool. If you had like an eight game series, Canada versus the U S for example, I think that would create a lot of interest and it would at least satisfy to some degree the, this hunger to see all the best young players in the league get to wear their national team sweater. And, and, you know, I think you do it out, not in the all-star window, but you you find another place for it. Maybe at the end of the summer or in September I think that that would be pretty fun.
1: You are a genius. That is one of that is a such a dope idea. Like a team North America versus World, like seven game series, or eight if you want to do it like how it was typically done with the Summit Series. That's a genius idea.
0: Yeah, it'd be great. That's um, amazing. The only thing is, is I don't know if the world, like if you do the world, it's great, but like you you do you mix a lot of nationalities then. I know Team Europe had success the 2016 World Cup, but like I I do wonder if players would you know like i'm thinking of copying the rider cup essentially in golf if you fall golf yeah. like something something like that like i the thing is it does work in the Ryder cup so maybe you could you could get the the europeans to sort of embrace this idea of europe but even if you just did canada versus the u.s i think i think it's a legit question right now about you know could the u.s be better than canada in in a complete best-on-best best format and what a way to do it you could you could have four games in the u.s four games in canada go across the countries like i think it, it would be really cool um but yeah so i if you want to my point is i think there's definitely room for more nationality based competitions events tournaments whatever you want to call them i just don't know if the all-star game is the best place to do it
1: i think you should uh, as soon as you're done this like write an article pitching that idea because i think that's a really good idea um i've been doing
0: this for a long enough time to know that nobody's really listened at the top levels of that stuff
1: yeah, you, that's that's what you think, sir. That's what you think. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you to everyone who sent in questions. Uh, we only have so much time. Uh, we'll try to get to more for next week. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening to uh, this week's, this Monday edition of the CJ Show. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with uh, Stick Taps and other fun stuff. We'll be going through a lot of content that uh, CJ has written in the last few days. I'm looking forward to that, as I'm sure you are as well, Siege.
0: Yeah, just trying to size up the trade market. hasn't Fireworks haven't started yet, but there's definitely you know teams. You know, a couple teams are meeting right now with their pro scouts. You know, it's it's getting real. Teams are really digging in on what they want to do here, and and um, you know, it should be should be a fun February as we get up to that March third trade deadline.
1: Absolutely, it gets real in the field. For CJ, I'm Julian, saying so long, and every day is a good day to discuss mental. health. The
0: Chris Johnson Show.
1: Powered by sports interaction. Wanna bet?
0: Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.